Most of us recognize the importance of associations and organizations in growing our professional network, but how do we really get the most out of those experiences and memberships? On today's show, getting the most from professional associations with networking expert John Corcoran. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 209. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to develop your leadership skills. And one of those great thinkers out there who's doing a lot of great work online and helping people to become more effective, especially in their professional networking, is John Corcoran. He's been on the show I had three times before now, and recently John and I sat down and recorded a conversation that is actually going to air on both of our shows, which is why I'm introducing it here. So we'll roll into that interview here in just a moment between John and I, and stick around after the interview because I've got a update to the announcement I talked about last week that was coming over email and more information about that. But uh, before that, here is my conversation with John on how to get the most from professional associations. Hey everybody, it's Dave Stahoviak here with Coaching for Leaders, and I have John Corcoran here as well from the Smart Business Revolution podcast. Hey, John. Hey, Dave. Happy to be back with you doing another joint episode. We, we don't do them all that frequently, but I'm glad when we do. We don't, but you know what? I think this is our fourth time, so uh, someday you can tell your kids and your grandkids that you appeared on Coaching for Leaders four times, and they will be so <laughs> impressed. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> and and I'm going to be, my kids, my grandkids and will be equally impressed. Our grandkids are going to say, what's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Well, hey, I am so glad to be chatting with you again. And what generated this conversation today is a few months ago, I received an email from one of the Coaching for Leaders listeners who said, hey, I'd love to see an upcoming episode on getting involved with a professional association. What are the do's and don'ts? how to identify them, how to select them, how to participate in a professional organization, and what's ultimately the ROI that you get out of it. And as soon as I saw that email, I, I actually think I forwarded it to you, John, before I even replied to it. And I said, hey, this is right up your alley. And for those of you who don't know, John is the author of How to Increase Your Income Today by Building Relationships with Influencers, Even If You Hate Networking, uh, which I love the title, and he's done some amazing work on helping people build their professional networks. And in fact, a number of Coaching for Leaders guests have come uh, through Connections through John. So he's really a master and an expert in this area. So, um, And John, I know you, in addition to that, have also been running a successful law practice. So you have a ton of experience in reaching out to people and building connections in ways that has really leveraged your brand and what you're doing and helping others. So I'm uh, I'm really excited to talk. Yeah, and and it's a great question uh, about joining professional associations. How do you increase the ROI? How do you make sure that it it hel is helpful for you? And and we can just dive into some of the different strategies that I've experienced, that I've seen other people experience. And one of the big ones is uh, one y y one of the problems is people will join a professional association, and it's very very easy to join groups these days. You can join LinkedIn groups. You can join Facebook groups. Dave, you and I probably belong to 
you know, at least 10 different Facebook groups, you yep. know, that we're both belong to. Yep. Um, and it's so easy to do that. And so we kind of sp- inadvertently spread ourselves too thin. And the same thing happens with professional associations. We belong to maybe multiple of them, or even just if we, if it's just one of them, we don't deepen our involvement. So what I actually advocate people to do is to focus in on a couple of groups which you really think could have a big impact on your business or your career, which really, really, which really depends on what your goals are. So you have to get really clear on what your goals are. Once you know what your goals are, then you can decide which associations are appropriate for you. And then rather than joining 10, join two or three. And for one year, really devote yourselves to them. And I, I, I mean, don't be one of 500 or 3,000 members who goes to a meeting once a quarter or once every six months, but actually get involved. Maybe join the board or help to organize an event or be a speaker at an event. Or stand at the door, checking people in at the door where you're checking in and actually meeting people. And so you meet every person as they come through. You learn what their names are. Deepen your involvement and try it out. And then after a year, you'll have an idea of, okay, is this the right type of people for me? Did I get any business out of it? Do I think I'll get any business out of it in the future? Because you've actually been involved. You've actually really given it a try. I I love that advice. And there's two things there I think I want to highlight because I, I think so important for people is one is getting involved because I think the thing that sometimes people miss is that just about every professional organization uh, works on the backs of volunteers and people helping out. And so one, there's a huge need for it in just about every professional organization for people to get involved. At the same time, it's also a great opportunity for you to essentially have a, an excuse to go and build relationships with people because not only are you part of the organization, but you have a role and a responsibility. Like you said, John, checking people in, maybe being a membership chair, maybe presenting at an event, whatever it is people need, by by just the fact of volunteering, you're going to meet people that you wouldn't otherwise have met and you build those relationships. Um, and then the other thing that you said that I love is give it a year. You know, that, that expectation I think sometimes that people have is they show up for a meeting. Like you said, you show up for the quarterly meeting. It's a lunch meeting or dinner meeting. And a lot of times people walk away from that like, oh, I didn't really meet anyone. Didn't have any connections come out of it. And they walk away from it or they don't put the energy in. And really, we should be thinking long-term on the relationships. That's right. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll also add, uh, before, as you're deepening your involvement, one of the things you should try and do is take those relationships beyond the confines of that association. So, you know, go out to coffee or lunch with other members who are there. Really give it a go, you know. Try and get to know them a little bit extra. Maybe... Uh, I, you know, I've had a couple of different episodes on my podcast where we've talked about the concept of mastermind dinners, where you bring together a bunch of people, could be in your industry, could be people working in different jobs, professions in your local community, people who'd like to meet one another, and you become the connector, you become the hub, you bring them together for dinner or for drinks or a pickup basketball game or a hike in the woods or whatever it is you want to do, some 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 kind of joint activity. I was talking to Jenny Blake, who's an author earlier today. She organizes these picnics in the park where people come together. But, you know, be kind of the hub because then it doesn't really depend on you. It doesn't have to be just you. People aren't just being drawn to meet you, but they're being drawn to meet the other people. And you can really extract greater value out of that professional association by doing that. One of the things that I see people doing is they you know, they'll try a group for a little while and then they won't really put their all into it. They won't 
if you really ask them, you know, did they did they set up one on ones with other members of the group? Did they ask the other members of the group if they want to be involved in some kind of uh, business tra transaction? Did they refer any business to the other people in the group? Did they introduce other members in the group to other people who they should know? And if you aren't doing all these things, then you haven't really given that association its fair shake. You haven't really tried hard enough. You haven't put enough into the group in order to get anything out of it. And so then people stop and they go and they go to another group, they join another group, they pay their money and they look for that in the next in the next group, but they're not really deepening their involvement. So for me personally, at any given time, it's really two to three groups that I'm most deeply involved with. And I know if I hop on social media and it's a Facebook group, I'm going to that group. I'm not wasting time with the other groups. I'm going to that group because that's the one I'm really committed to. I've already identified as being important for me. Awesome. Awesome. You know, and I, I think it, the lesson here, like any relationship that's sustainable is putting as much into the relationship as you'd get out of the relationship and ideally putting in more. So all of those things are really focused on how do I add value with this group here, the people that I already know, I've already come across and do that in a way that's really sustainable. And and I'm curious, um, John, you mentioned a couple other people and how they've done that well. You've you've been masterful at doing this and growing your business and growing a community around your show and the work you do online. Um, when you started thinking about this a couple of years ago when you opened up your own practice, what was the thought process you went through of figuring out what would be a couple of those organizations that you might get involved with versus maybe the ones that you didn't take the time to invest uh, your time and your attention in? We all uh, we often know the groups that are possibilities for us because we're either we belong to them already or we're aware of the groups. But I think that you you have to start with um, looking at your goals, your long-term goals, because oftentimes what people do is maybe they're working in a company, in an organization, uh, and so they belong to a professional association that's part of that group. But if they, if you really dug under the surface, if you really found out what they're really passionate about or what their long-term goals are, they're different from what they're currently working in. And so you have to be cognizant of that. You have to become aware of that um, and, and make sure that what you're going to be in the association that you're going to be involved in are going to be ones that are really going to meet that, be, be more fulfilling and that they're going to help you to achieve your long-term goals. So throughout my career, it's changed. I mean, as you know, I've worked in politics. I've worked in Hollywood. I've worked in Silicon Valley. I've been a practicing lawyer, and now I'm building my reputation online through a blog and a podcast. So I've just about gone through every industry. I, I think there are a few that I haven't checked off yet, but there's still time. So, you know, it, it really varies for me personally, it varies based on what my goals are. And you just, you just need to like, uh, you know, go out and do a, a blue sky brainstorming and identify all the different possibilities out there and figure out, you know, which one is appropriate for me. You know, and as far as associations go, um, you know, you might want to look at it more holistically. It might be an event like there might be a group that's organized around an event like World Domination Summit is an example. I've never been to World Domination Summit in Portland, but a lot of people go to it, especially people who are bloggers and podcasters. And people who are drawn to that, it kind of becomes a whole community. Um, uh, or, you know, it, it could, it so it could be around an event, it could be a local community group that you, you know, belong to, or it could be a larger professional association on a statewide level, 
or even a national level. And you might find that the national group doesn't resonate with you, but the statewide does. And you really like that. So you, sometimes you have to test out within the individual group, where do you fit in individually? And I love the message here of figure out what you want to get first. So before you start going and investigating or showing up at events, if you know what you want, then when you go and you make contact or you investigate some of these associations and groups, then hopefully you can identify pretty quickly by going to a meeting or maybe checking out their website. If they're going to be able to help you align with that goal and you're going to be able to hopefully help contribute something to them, or if that's the that's the kind of opportunity that maybe you're better off passing up. Because you really do want to maximize your time here. It's about quality versus quantity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and what do you want to do with your career? I mean, you're trying to rise up within your individual company that you're working for right now? Or, or are you looking to maybe make a, a lateral move to another company? So those are a completely different set of people that you want to spend your time with, you know? And so um, there might be a different association that you want to belong to. Um, and then, you know, the, another way of looking at it is uh, events versus ongoing involvement. You know, some associations have an annual conference, which is really valuable. And that's really when people come out of the woodwork. And so you want to go to that on a regular basis, but you don't want to be involved in a regular, you know, on an ongoing basis. It's maybe not worth your time or vice versa. Maybe the on the, the large event is thousands of people and it's not that great an opportunity for connecting, but maybe you want to be more involved on a local level. There are people who are more involved in the association on a local level and you can kind of deepen your involvement that way. What, what I like doing is I like organizing events around other events and bringing people together around other events. Like I'm speaking at a conference next month in San Diego. I don't speak too often um, at conferences, but I'm flying a little bit early and I'm organizing a lunch the day before. I'm bringing together some of the other speakers and some other people who are in the area who I'd just like to connect with and bringing them together. And it's not about me. It's about the other people, you know, and you, you line up a couple of people and then you tell this person that this person's coming and then you tell this person that this person's coming and pretty soon you've got a bigger and bigger group and people who are interested in, in and then people who you couldn't attract to lunch with you are coming because of the group of people. Mm. And I'm doing this around the conference that I'm attending. So that's one thing you can do. If, if you belong to an association and they have an annual conference, rather than just going and just attending the event, can you put together some kind of dinner or a, a lunch at, at the beginning or at the end, which brings people together and then you become that hub. You know, People are appreciative of you that you involve them in it. I've been fortunate to get invited to a couple of those over the years, John. And those, in some cases, are even the better opportunities to meet and connect with people because you have more of a personal connection already through someone or through a group of people. And I, this actually brings me to one of the other things I was wondering about is the, one of the ways the world has really changed over the last decade, for sure, is it used to be every industry had its you know two or three big industry groups, and you joined one or maybe you joined a couple of them, maybe you got really involved with one of them. And that is still, I think, the case in a lot of industries. But now there's this whole informal uh, industry network and, and individuals even who are setting up their own platforms, who are doing meetups and networking groups. And I think that's where if you're open to doing something a little different than the than just the traditional get involved with the large industry organization, you can make some amazing connections with people. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you can have a little fun with it, too. Like, for example, for a couple of years, um, well, I, I made a transition in my career uh, as a lawyer 
where initially I was doing a lot of real estate related work and I wanted to pivot to working more with entrepreneurs and small business owners because that's who I really liked working with. And so I, I, with another lawyer, we restarted the, the business section of our local bar uh, association <clears throat> and that helped to position ourselves as experts uh, and, and, and to really define for other people that we are business attorneys. And then another thing we did is I organized for a couple of years a local, we called it Lawyer's Night at uh, the local baseball uh, club. There's a, a local independent, like a farm league team called the Pacifics here in San Rafael. Hmm. It's only been around for a couple of years. And so semi-professional baseball is like these guys that just played college ball and they're kind of, they're actually getting paid to, to do this for this tiny little team. And we, we organized an event. I organized an event. Um where, you know, other uh, lawyers from the entire community came in. And so doing something like that, it really it really helps to elevate your profile within that association because people think of you, they might see your name in an ad in the newsletter as being the contact person. Then if they come out to the event, you've got an excuse to talk to every single person there. You know, they, they're all appreciative of you for organizing the event. So that's another strategy you can use. I have seen that work so many times. And even you and I, John, have, I think, had that happen with our podcasts and the communities we've built. Um, I know I don't, I definitely don't see myself as a leadership expert by any means. And yet, because I have a show where people come on and share their expertise, and I just happen to be the person who facilitates that, there are people who perceive sometimes I have an expertise in areas I may not have that expertise because I'm the person who's made the invitation and set up the event. And I know that's been true for you too, of just, of if you're willing to have the courage to just say, hey, I want to put something together or I want to be the facilitator or the conductor of this event. I'm not going to do everything, but I'm the person who's willing to make it happen. Boy, it's it's amazing yeah. what can happen. It's it is really amazing. And actually, you brought up a really good point, which is doing interviews. And we haven't even talked about that, but you could do interviews within the context of an association. So, hmm, how you so? know, think of... Well, you can, you know, there's a lot of, there's so many different ways you can use interviews and it's really just an excuse for you to sit down and deepen a relationship with someone. So let's say you belong to an association, you join an association, you want to deepen your involvement, you want to get to know other people in there. What if you were to say, I'm going to write a monthly profile uh, of the leaders of this organization in the newsletter? that mm. they send out. So they have an existing newsletter. All the work you'd have to do, this is this can be dead simple, easy. You just reach out to the leaders of the organization who are the most well-connected in the organization to begin with, and you approach them and say, I, I like to do this feature. We're going to profile each of you each month. You get on the phone with them. You record it like we're doing right now. Maybe you can even go have someone else transcribe it. So you spend a little money on that, or maybe the association, maybe the newsletter or the association will pay for it. You have it transcribed, you button it up a little bit, you make it a feature in the newsletter, and then everyone reads it. The, the, uh, the, um, the executive that, uh, or the member of the board that you've interviewed is appreciative, and most importantly, it's opened the door for you to have a relationship with that person, and then you have an obligation to follow up on that and to continue to deepen that relationship because it's about so much more than that just that one interview, which is really just opening the door for you. I, I love that idea because that, that's the kind of thing. You don't have to have a blog or a podcast or anything like that. You Anyone can do that. Anyone can yeah. take the courage to say, hey, I'll volunteer an hour a month to 
meet up with someone, connect with them, do that interview. And um, you you changed my thinking dramatically on something, John. You don't even know it yet. Um, I talked to Dory Clark not too long ago. She was on the show. Cool. And she she said that one of the things you had said was that you see your podcast as a great avenue for your own professional development of just how yes. you learn and grow. And I think that that had always been in the back of my mind with Coaching for Leaders, but I don't think that had been as strong for me until I heard her say that about you. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. I have learned so much. And oh, yeah. now I see that as one of the top reasons that I do the show is for my own professional development, purely on a selfish reason. I, I, I feel like I'm really up to date on what's going on, who's yeah. saying what. Um, and the value I add to clients and my own organization is substantially greater because of that. And so yeah. it's just a great example of how, but anyone can do it. You don't have to have a podcast. You can do that just by going out and, and having that opportunity to build relationships and everyone wins from that. I say that having a podcast, it's like professional or personal development, which doubles as marketing. Because yeah. you're, you're doing professional development or you're doing personal development, you're learning, you're enriching yourself, you're making yourself smarter, you're constantly educating yourself, and then you're recording it and it's becoming marketing for yourself. And right. you're positioning yourself as an expert. Um, and so that's that's tremendously powerful. And anyone can do it. As you said, anyone can do it. I just got an email about a week or two ago from a kid who's 19 or 20 years old and still at university. He's still in college. Um, he he was started following some of my strategies, using my advice and stuff like that. Um, he was interested in working for some professional sports teams. He reached out using some of the... Uh, uh, approaches that I suggested uh, and and connected with a couple of professional sports teams. And then he connected with Mark Cuban of Shark Tank, owner of the Dallas Ma Mavericks, and interviewed him and transcribed it and put it on his personal blog. We're not talking about any big publication or anything like that. Put it on his personal blog, an interview with Mark Cuban. And it wasn't just like a quick little interview. It was actually pretty long and involved. And the reason I tell tell you that and I share that is because if he can do it, this 19, 20-year-old kid, then you can do it and you can do it in many different contexts. It's just an interview is just an excuse for a conversation and, you know, and it, and it allows you to deepen that relation. It allows you to take that relationship to the next logical step. So and continue it further. And then eventually you get to the point of a business alliance. And I'll give an example of, you know, you can identify people who you admire who you look up to within, let's say, a professional association, because that's the context we're talking about here. You look at the, you know, the executive director or the the chair of the board or something like that within an organization. You look at them and you admire them, and you're like, you know what? I really like what they're doing, and and I I really would like to get to know them. I'd like for them to have a relationship with me. And I was like that, for example, with uh, Michael Port, the author of Book Yourself Solid. Uh, I read his book four years ago when I was originally going out on my own, starting my own business. I admired it. I was like, this is someone who really inspires me. I really like his philosophy. I like the way he ran his business. And I was like, I'm going to develop a relationship with this guy. And long story short, I, I eventually did provide providing value to him. And tomorrow I'm doing a webinar actually for his following, for all of his followers nice. after after many years. So, and, and that is a business alliance of sorts. So, you know, you can admire someone from afar, not even know them at all, not even know them, and just decide proactively, I, that is someone that inspires me, and I'm going to get to know them. And I, and I actually will go so far as to say that I think it's a tragedy that there are so many people in this country that will admire someone from afar, whoever it is, 
And they'll be like, oh, man, I really like that person. I like what they're up to. I read their book or I like their business or whatever like that. But I'm not going to reach out to them because they wouldn't be interested in hearing from me. And I think that's really sad because that's exactly the kind of person that you should be reaching out to, that you should be having a relationship with. And in the context of a professional association, you know, you have that shared common bond of being part of the association. You just need to use something as a strategy in order to deepen that relationship, like an interview or an event or something like that, where you get to know that person better or joining the board. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And and the just there's so many opportunities to do that. And I know I need to do more of that, John. And I've I've had some times where I have done that. It's worked out so good. Like when more often than not, those relationships work out great. I mean, one example in my our industry is, you know, there weren't many podcasts on leadership when I started coaching for leaders, but one of them that was out there was uh Tom Henschel's show. Uh, the Look and Sound of Leadership, which is a fabulous show. And I remember listening years ago and thinking like, wow, you know, it'd be amazing to like be, you know, to ever talk to him or anything like that. And so sure enough, I reached out at one point. He was a guest on the show. Um, long story short, now we talk all the time. We're friends. Uh, you know, we've met together in person many times. And people now go to his show as a result of hearing this show, which I think is amazing because it's one of my missions to get all our listeners listen to his show. And it's just it's just a great example of how if you are willing to have the courage just to ask the question, just to reach out um, and and get over yourself of that fear that we all have when we're building relationships, it it can really turn into some amazing things for both of you, not just for not right. just for you. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, I think it really starts with a place of sincerity and true admiration and and wanting to be of help, of service to the other person. You know, if it's someone that you genuinely have affection for, someone that you genuinely admire the work that they do, you like their mission, you'd like to help them out, as you mentioned with Tom, then it should be so fulfilling for you to be a part of that. It's really it's about a larger uh, uh, contribution you know, it's it's what I think when people get hung up on the idea of connecting with someone who they admire from afar, what they're hung up on really is the a personal rejection or a personal failure, um, a lack of confidence because they see it as a reflection on them. When it, when you change the entire view and you look at it as what I want to do is not connect with this person for any personal gratification. I want to connect with this person because I support the work that they do and I want to support it further. Yep. And I want to be of assistance and service to them. So like, you know, Michael Port, for example, I've introduced him to a bunch of different podcasters because it's it's helped him to get the word out about different, you know, stuff that he's working on. Like he has a book coming out in a little while. So um, when you're sincere about that and when you're genuine, then, you know, good things will come from it. I love it. I love it. And I know one of the, the the principles that you have is just to be helpful to people. And you wrote an article on your on your blog a while back about uh, how Rob Lowe played you on TV. And <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if you would share that story with our audience because I think it's just a fabulous example of the having the orientation to be helpful. Oh, geez, I haven't told it in a while, so I may have to go back and look at the blog post. And I, th- I feel like maybe I told it on one of our other joint shows, but hopefully people I don't think heard. so. I don't think so. Yeah. And and for those yeah. who don't know, um, uh, John used to work at the White House. He worked for President Clinton. And so, um, yeah, I thought I just I loved that story when I saw it. I think I shared it on social media, but I don't think we ever talked about it on the show. And I, I just think okay. it's a fabulous story. 
Yeah. So, um, right. I, I worked in the Clinton White House and I started working there. Uh, first, I was an intern in the speechwriting office in 1997, went back to college, graduated from college, and then ended up getting a job back at the White House from uh, starting in 1999. And I'd worked in Hollywood. I actually worked with DreamWorks before coming to the White House. And so I go back and I'm working in the White House. And a little while after that, I, I ended up um, talking with um, someone who I knew from Hollywood. And she said she knew this uh, other person who was working on a, a new show that was going to be about politics in Washington, D.C. Um, and this person was working on developing it. It was very in the very early stages. And, and could I have a conversation with this person uh, about my day to day life? You know, and in case any Secret Service is listening right now, um, I didn't divulge any state secrets. I didn't have that high a security clearance, so I didn't have any state secrets to divulge. But, you know, it was just kind of like what my life was like, what it was like working in the White House. And um, so I ended up connecting with this person, and it, ends up, it turns out it was Aaron Sorkin, who was working on the West Wing in the early stages. It wasn't, hasn't even hit the, hadn't even hit the air yet. And... Um, he ends up going forward. Of course, the pilot comes on and everything, and it's a huge hit. So shortly after that, he didn't really need my assistance anymore. He had a bunch of former administration people, former White House staffers who were his advisors. So he didn't need my help as much anymore. But the fall of 99, I wrote the Thanksgiving proclamation. Now, the Thanksgiving proclamation is the reason that we have Thanksgiving today. George Washington issued it. Um, in the midst of the Civil War, um, President Lincoln issued it, and it really was credited with helping to unify the nation in the midst of the Civil War. Oh, interesting. So there's been some historic documents. And back then, when it was George Washington and Abraham Lincoln writing it, it was them writing it in the White House with a quill pen, you know, under candlelight. And so I sit down to write this thing, and it's like so much pressure. I was 23 years old. So much pressure on my shoulders to write this thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of kind of crazy. And um, so anyways, I produce it. I was proud of it. They printed on this like parchment paper that's old fashioned. <laughs> nice. And um, I ended up putting one in an envelope and mailing it off to Aaron Sorkin just as kind of like a FYI, here's something I worked on. And um, and I didn't hear anything of it. Flash forward a year later and it, I turn on the West Wing and I'm watching the episode right before Thanksgiving. And um it, it's a it's a the whole episode is around around uh, Thanksgiving and around Thanksgiving at the White House. And one of the primary stories throughout that episode was about the writing of the Thanksgiving proclamation. And they took a lot of liberties with it, you know, running around and they were they were also doing the, you know, pardoning the turkey and all that kind of right, stuff. Right. And um, at the very climax of the show and you can you can check it out i think it's probably online or on netflix or something like at the very climax of the show uh martin sheen the martin sheen character jed bartlett president bartlett is about to leave the oval office to go in onto the rose garden to read the thanksgiving proclamation and he turns around before he's about to leave the climax of the episode and he looks down and he reads the first line of the proclamation that he's holding in his hand and it's the exact same first line of the proclamation that i wrote uh, that I'd sent to Aaron Sorkin. Nice. And of course, the uh, the the speechwriters that were running around, who were playing the writers who were working on the proclamation, was Rob Lowe. So that's how I say that I got Rob Lowe to play me on TV. Now, the reason I tell that story is not to brag, but really more to show you never really know what good can come from 
being of help and of service to other people. Mm. And, you know, I could have gotten in trouble um, for just offering some advice on what my day-to-day life was like. Um, that's something that probably the press office would have preferred to handle. <clears throat> um, but, you know, I said, I'll be of help. I'll be of service. I'm not harming anyone. This is what my day-to-day life is like. And so, um, you know, it was my small part in that show. Well, and I think it's just a great message of you just never know where things are going to go, who you're going to be working with, who you're going to be working for, who's going to be uh, the next person that's going to be your champion out there in the world is going to put you in touch with the next opportunity. And I, the thing I love about that is just your desire to want to be helpful to people. And if you can be that kind of person that makes a choice on a daily basis to be helpful to people, that you're the kind of person that is going to thrive in whatever situation you have in a professional organization, building your network and so forth. So I think it's a great example for all of us. Yeah. And um, the other thing I'll say is that there's a tremendous book out there um, called Give and Take by Adam Grant. Mm, And it um, it basically supports the proposition that being more of a giver is going to make you more likely to be successful in this life than being a taker. And so I often say to people that I'm not saying you should go out there for charitable charitable reasons and just be giving, giving, giving to everyone because I think that we should all be givers. I'm saying that you should be giving, you should be helpful to other people because you're more likely to make more money. You're, <laughs> you're more likely to be successful. You're more likely to rise within the professional association or your organization or the company that you're working for. You're more likely to be promoted. Uh, if you do all of those things, being helpful and being of service to other people. So that's a big mission that I carry forward and a big um, um, uh, platform that I I feel is important to share with other people. John, I think that's a great note to leave it on. Uh, For folks who are part of uh, my community, what's the best way for people to track you down online and what you're up to? Yes, of course. And and likewise as well. So smartbusinessrevolution.com is the place to check me out. Um, you mentioned the ebook, which you can grab. Another thing that's been really popular has been my, my email templates. I have some email templates that I give away for free to people, and you can grab them at that domain. There are email templates that I've used over the years for connecting with influencers and VIPs that I admire, um, sending cold emails to them, and what exactly you can say. So check that out as well at Smart Business Revolution. And for you? Well, first, let me say keep in mind, John wrote for the President of the United States. His emails are great. I love writing <laughs> what you write or reading what you write, John. Uh, you write articles on a number of different publications, including Forbes and the Art of, Manula- Art of Manliness. Um, I always enjoy reading it. And so I'm on your email list. I encourage if you're doing anything online, marketing, networking, definitely uh, check out John. And uh, oh, thanks, Dave. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, and thanks, John, for the opportunity to be on your show too. Coachingforleaders.com is where to check out Uh, what I'm up to, and it's resources, tools, and actions for leaders to help them to become more effective in their leadership skills. Uh, Very cool. Dave, I always enjoy doing this. This is so much fun. We should do it really more frequently. We we will. We will. Absolutely. Thanks, John. And not just when we have kids, too. (laughs) Man, boy, it has been forever now because that that, uh, other episode we did, many episodes back now, was when both our wives were pregnant and about to give birth. And now my son's 18 months and yours is around the same age. Yeah. Our girl is now, uh, let's see, 18, almost 19 months. Yeah. Because they came right about the same time. So yeah, it's been almost a year and a half since uh, since we did something. So yeah. Wow. 
Ah, man, time flies. All I right. know. It does. It does. <laughs> hey, it's been fun. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. John mentioned our last conversation at the end of the interview there. That was actually a chat we had about a year and a half ago about work-life balance. And we thought it would be timely at the time because uh, both of our families were expecting little ones. And it's still a really relevant conversation on just how to approach the challenges as so many of us do, which is balancing professional responsibilities and personal responsibilities. So if that's of interest to you right now, I will put a link to that in the show notes. So check it out, coachingforleaders.com slash 209, which is where that is, along with all the other things we mentioned in this episode. And of course, those of you who get the weekly leadership guide will get that in your inbox on Wednesdays. And speaking of the leadership guide, I mentioned last week there was going to be an announcement going out to those of you who received the leadership guide each week, and it did go out. So a number of you are already aware of what I'm working on that's new. And this conversation today actually really made me think about it a whole lot because the importance of building relationships with others, like John was talking about, of reaching out, of having connections with people, of having that courage to do that, is really so much in line of exactly what I'm working on and what I want for so many members of the Coaching for Leaders community as well, too, because I certainly didn't start there. I was under the assumption that I think a lot of people are, that the best way to be successful is to go to school, get good grades, go to great universities, um, get a good degree, read good books, which I've certainly done a lot in my life and in my career. And all those are great things. But when I started my career, I struggled. And I've talked about this on the show before. I was, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I've, I was passed over for promotion twice that I know of at my first company. Uh, and my first year at Dale Carnegie, this was going back 11 years ago, my performance was so bad that I offered to resign at the end of the first year. Uh, talk about being underwhelming in what my, uh, my performance was. It, it just, it was embarrassing. And so I sought out a lot of things, books. I went through coach training at one point. Uh, I have a couple of graduate degrees, but I'll tell you, I still really lacked a lot of my confidence in people skills and my ability to lead. And it was something that I struggled with for a while, still do, still do in, in a lot of ways, but not anywhere as much as I did before. So fast forward now a decade and I've designed and sold millions of dollars of training and education programs. Many of you read articles. I, if there are thousands of people who read the articles I write each week. I've taught numerous classes in education and leadership at the graduate level. This show is now a top 20 career podcast on iTunes regularly, sometimes even in the top 10. Thank you, by the way, for being a part of that. I've been recognized in Forbes as one of the 25 professional networking experts to watch this year in 2015. What changed? Well, it wasn't because I read more books. I can assure you that. It didn't come from reading books or even attending conferences or listening to podcasts. All those are great things. But it came from three things. And we touched on them in the interview today. It came from the practice that I got in working with others and coaching others and getting coaching from others, it came from committed action that I took 
to better myself and to better my work and my career. And it came especially from the genuine support that I got from others and my professional network. But it's not really easy to find those things, and it's not easy for those things to be transformative in our careers. And that's why I'm announcing now that I am beginning an inaugural Coaching for Leaders Mastermind program because I believe that most leaders are not born. They are made. I'm sure there are some people out there that just naturally are gifted at leadership, um, know how to communicate, speak, set a vision. I'm sure there's a few people out there who are like that. I don't really think I know anybody, and it certainly as heck is not me. And I think it's probably not most of you either listening. Most of us who have gotten somewhat good at some areas of these things have struggled through it. We've learned through the school of hard knocks. And yet it doesn't have to be that way. I think we can really accelerate our learning as I have in some ways and in some ways of being smart about it and some ways of just stumbling into things, but of really getting support and coaching from others. And so I am inviting you to get those same benefits, but a lot faster than I ever did. Because I know that with the right coaching, committed action, and genuine support, you can learn to lead a lot more effectively. And so if that is sounding like something that would be of interest to you, I hope you will check out the application for inaugural membership in the Coaching for Leaders Mastermind. And you can find that at coachingforleaders.com slash apply. Let me tell you a little bit about what it is. It is a mastermind group that is going to put you in the position to build the best relationships, take consistent action, and get real results to be a better leader. And it is live. It is through video conferencing. It is going to be personally facilitated and hosted by me. So the people who are going to be involved in this will work with me directly and receive coaching from me, as well as the other people who are going to be part of this. And I don't think there's been a better way to get regular coaching from others who care deeply, like so many members of this community do, about achieving results and bringing out the best in people. And I know that you're going to build genuine relationships in this mastermind with others who are invested in you, who aren't constrained by the politics of your organization, who can tell you honestly how they experience you, and probably most important, are eager to see you succeed because they're going to be people handpicked by me to be part of this mastermind that are part of this community that are the people that I know are going to support you in getting to where you want to go. And I know you'll build your confidence in your ability to lead people. And in fact, I'm guaranteeing it. If you're accepted for membership, I'm so confident you'll gain from it that I'm offering a money back guarantee. But I'm only reserving 12 spots for the inaugural membership. That's 12 spots out of the entire Coaching for Leaders community. And that's because we're starting small. We're starting with a small group of people to build the mastermind into something that's just going to be fabulous. Once those seats are gone, they're gone for good. And in the future, when we open it up a little bit bigger and expand membership and add more resources and benefits for people, uh, we will price it higher. So if you want to know more about investments, logistics, what you need to qualify in order to apply, again, here's where you go, coachingforleaders.com slash apply. All the information's up there that you need. 
including the cost of it. I'm not going to mention the cost here because in the future, other people will download this show after applications have been turned in. And in the future, we're going to raise the price. So um, that said, I've been involved in masterminds myself. I've now been involved in, let's see, two or three, two formally. Um, And I've been involved in a mastermind before where the price for being involved was three times what's the investment for the inaugural program starting off here. So I really encourage you to check this out because if you're involved in an inaugural membership, your price will never go up as long as you're active in it. So the applications, if you are hearing this and it's sounding like something that may be of interest to you, applications are due on Friday, September 25th, 2015. So that's just under two weeks from now uh, when I'm airing this, Monday, September 14th. So again, Friday the 25th. And if it's right for you, I encourage you to apply. But keep in mind, uh, the inaugural membership will only be once. So don't delay if it's right for you. I already have a number of applications from the email that went out last week. I'll be making contact with some of those folks this week. So thank you if you've already applied. And if you haven't, if you're listening and this is the right time for you to do what John and I were talking about, which is to build your network to enhance your leadership skills, and to get to coaching and support from others that will help you succeed, I invite you to apply. Coachingforleaders.com slash apply. And if you want more information about, again, the links in this episode, coachingforleaders.com slash 209. And for all of us listening, if you haven't already, subscribe to that weekly leadership guide that I've mentioned a few times today. It does come to your inbox on Wednesday and includes my recommendations every week on the best articles, podcasts, videos, books that will help support your development between the shows. And it also includes an overview and link to the show notes. So if you listen like I do on the go, it will help you to get the best resources from the show. And when you join, you will get not only access to the leadership guide, but you also get my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others and brief summaries from me on the value of each of those books. It's an 11-page reader's guide and nine-minute video of those book recommendations. And you can get all of that at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. Thanks a ton for listening. Thanks again to John for coming back on the show. It's always a thrill to talk to John. And if the mastermind is right for you, check out the page. If you got a question, drop me a line. Coachingforleaders.com slash apply is where to go. If you think it might be the right fit for you, I really encourage you to check it out. Have the courage to take time to move on something now, if not this, something that will help you to build your professional network. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon.